Good morning, family. It's so good to be with you again, and it's such a privilege, you know, for me to share the word during this time in our community. And thank you for the feedback that we're getting about the services and for just everybody joining us. And uh, it's just our heart is to serve you, to strengthen you, and encourage you. And uh, and it, it just I trust that we are able to to do that. The word I want to share with you today is an interesting title. I called it Moonstruck. And uh, where this word comes from is actually I had something else that I felt had in mind for today. But last Sunday, we pray before the service together. And uh, while we were praying, I, um, we pray via WhatsApp group. And uh, while we were praying, I saw a picture of the moon. And I started feeling the Lord speaking to me about the moon. And uh, it, that's what led to today's message. So it may be a little bit of a different message than the kind of thing that I normally do. But I trust that it would be helpful to you and be of encouragement to you uh, today. And um, I don't know if you've ever looked up at the moon. I'm sure we all have on a nice full, full moon night or we've all seen pictures of the moon. One of the remarkable striking characteristics of the moon that you immediately see is how full of craters the moon is. It's got all these holes on it that you can even see with a naked eye from Earth. Um, and then even if you had to take a good binoculars and look at it, becomes all that more clear, or if you see a, a good picture, you see all these craters all over the moon. And the thought struck me is why, when you look at the earth, you don't see the same thing? Why, when we look at the picture of the earth, um, obviously we, we don't see the earth from earth, so we have to look at a picture, or if you've been fortunate enough to be in outer space and can look at the earth, which I don't think any of us have, but um, then you don't see uh, the same picture. You don't see an earth filled with craters. And uh, so I, that, that sort of intrigued me, and I, I went up and read up about it, and I, my first thought was, well, perhaps the Earth doesn't get hit with so many uh, meteorites or asteroids as the moon does. Perhaps the moon draws it away from the Earth or something, but that didn't sound right to me. And so I went and read up, and the reality is because the Earth's bigger than the moon, uh, the, the Earth gets hit a lot more by asteroids and meteorites than what the moon does. But a key difference between the earth and the moon and why the earth doesn't look the same way as the moon does is that the earth has certain systems in place that allows it to deal with the impacts that it gets and to actually uh, recover from the impacts of asteroids and, uh, and, and create, uh, meteorites. If the earth didn't have these systems, then it would look like the moon because the moon does not have systems like this. It doesn't have the... The, 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 the mechanisms to deal with the craters and the earth. The earth, is you can say, is a dynamic planet and the moon is a more static planet. In, in one place that I read up, they actually even said the moon is a dead planet because it, it, has, it has nothing in it that can deal with any of the events that takes place on it. There's no weather, there's no wind. So the, 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 when a crater hits the moon, that basically is frozen in time, the impact that it made. It makes this crater and for the rest of time that'll be on the moon and that's what we see all the time so even while the earth gets hit a lot more than the moon it doesn't look the same way now you may think why are we talking about the earth and the moon and these things because i felt the lord just speak to me about that's how we are as people also we are like the earth not like the moon we get hit with a lot of things a lot of things happen in our lives and a, a lot of things Come at us. And uh, I think of the fiery darts that the scripture speaks of in Ephesians 6, that, that the enemy fires things at us. Life happens. We, we make our own stupid mistakes. And, and there's lots of things that hit us and um, that can be, and we can be like the moon, and it just makes permanent impact on us. And we always look 
filled with these holes and craters and of the impact of things that happened to us. But God made us with systems in place and, and mechanisms to deal with what hits us so that we can be recover from those things and actually not look like the permanent scars of, of the things that hit us. And, and that's what I want to talk a little bit about today and, and apply that to us. Now, let me first of all go back to the earth and the moon to, to explain this. The, the, there's three systems that the earth has that helps it deal with the impact of, of foreign objects that hits it and that we don't, so that we don't, those don't become permanent marks that we see all the time. And the, and the first one is, um, that is erosion. And I know we've all learned about erosion at school and um, uh, erosion, often we've seen it as a negative thing. But there's this positive aspect to erosion that what happens with erosion is it, it deals with these craters that are made when the earth gets impacted. And obviously it takes a long time, but it, it wears it down. Uh, there's a there's a there's a a place in Siberia where it's one of the biggest uh, impacts that you can see of a crater that uh, hit the Earth, and um, uh, from an asteroid that hit the Earth, a meteorite that hit the Earth, and um, and and if you look at that photo now, you'll see how the the the, the it's starting to disappear and how you're starting to not see the impact of it because what happens with the seasons when the wind blows over a, a, a a crater, it starts wearing it down. When the plant starts growing over it, it starts disappearing. And uh, over a period of time, you won't see it. There's a great photo also of a, of a crater in Canada. Uh, it's one of the largest craters still on the earth. And, and you'll see that from space, you can still see the outline. But you, what you actually now see is the water that's filled that and the plants that's grown. And it's barely visible that this was a crater. If that same crater was on the moon, very clear to see that it's a crater. But because of erosion, it's, it's disappearing. It's being taken care of by this system in the earth. The second one system that we have is called tectonics. And uh, we know tectonics is the movements of the plates that are uh, subterraneous plates on the, on this, on the earth. And uh, because these plates keep on moving, not, no feature on the earth is actually permanent. It takes millions of years for things to change. But the scientists say that the earth actually recycles its surface every so often, which is long, long time that they're talking about. But mountains move, uh, coastlines move. Uh, and even so, when a crater is formed on the earth because of an impact from outer space, that crater, due to the movements of the earth, will eventually begin to disappear and take on a different shape, and it won't look the same. Again, if, if a crater is formed on the, on the moon, um, there's no tectonics, there's no movement, there's no recycling of the surface of the moon. So that crater remains there. That damage is done and it will always remain there. The, the last system is uh, what we call volcanism. And uh, I know for the Trekkies, the Star Trek fans, that makes you think of Mr. Spock and pointed ears and uh, lack of emotions. That's not what I'm talking about. The volcanic activity. Uh, when we, we see in the earth that there's uh, volcanoes that spew out lava and those lava... Uh, that lava runs and it forms new um, uh, uh, countryside. And even when lava comes out of the ground, it changes the, 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 just what the earth looks like. Now, this is not a major thing the way the earth does it, but it does. it is one of the systems that helps. 
And, and so that when a, when a lava flow happens and you start seeing the earth move, that's even a way that it starts moving and changing the, the characteristics and the, the, of what a crater looks like. So isn't it amazing that how God created the earth to be able to deal with problems, to be able to deal and correct even these things that are, that are foreign objects that come in and hit the earth and the impact that it has on it, that God made the earth to be able to deal with it and to recover from it. And it just struck me that God made us in the same way, that just as the earth is a living earth, a dynamic earth, an earth that, that moves and changes and, and deals with the problems that comes to it, so we are living people. And God's given us systems and mechanisms on how to deal with the problems we face in life and so that we don't end up looking like the moon and that once something's happened to us, that's it. We, we will carry that with us for the rest of time and you will see that, that mark, that crater in our lives so clearly and there's nothing you can do about it and that's the way it is. No, God in his grace and in his providence and in his amazing wisdom gave us ways to deal with things. And the impact that, it, that sin particularly has on our life. And, and I want to liken sin in a sense to, to a meteorite or an asteroid. Because sin is something that is foreign to this world that has entered into our world. It wasn't God's intent for us to suffer from sin. To, to live under the curse of, of death. It wasn't God's plan for us. But we still today suffer because of sin that was allowed to come into this earth. And the impact that it has had on the earth. But isn't it fantastic? That that impact that sin has had, God has given us mechanisms and systems to deal with it. So I want to talk about three systems and mechanisms that are some of the three main ones that I would say that God has given us on how we deal with um, the impacts of sin on our lives. And um, these are all because of the work of the Lord Jesus. This is, these systems are all possible in our lives because Jesus came, Emmanuel, God with us. He lived among us, lived as the son of God become 100% man, 100% God, lived among us, and he died on a cross and, and, and broke the curse over our lives. And it's because of his actions that sin is not, no longer a permanent effect on us, but that it can be changed, that, it, that the effect and the power of it can be diminished over our lives, and we can actually be restored out of it. And, uh, but there's three systems that's become available to us through the cross, and the cross has made possible for us. And the first one I want to talk with you a little bit about is the system, if I use that term, it, it doesn't really apply, but you just for the, this talk, uh, give me a little bit of leeway in that. It's the, it's the practice of repentance, to repent. When we, a lot of the, let me say it this way, a lot of the craters in our lives is because of our own sin. When, when we look at somebody, when we see their lives, when I look at my own life, if I think back of my life, I can see how sin and my own sin has impacted my life and the decisions that I've made and how it's has changed uh, just who I am as a person. And, and there's so many things that I've done in life that, that I've had to work hard at dealing with so that it doesn't become my permanent story. And the first step towards that is repentance. That when I've made some bad decision, when I have sinned against God, and let's call it what it is, when, when I've sinned, when I've made a decision that reveals the evil that is in my own heart, that reveals my tendency towards rebellion sometimes, is when I've done that, the, the way I deal with it is repentance. Repentance is such a powerful 
system that the Lord gave us to change the landscape of our lives. If it wasn't for repentance, then we would carry the permanent effects of what we did, and there's nothing you can do about it. But repentance is so powerful. Repentance begins with confession. It's to recognize your sin, to call your sin what it is. It's to say that this that I've done is sin. It is wrong. I think through this time of lockdown and in a time of, of upheaval and change, often the, the patterns of our lives that are not good patterns surface to the top. The fears that we have, the, the bad habits, can we get confronted with them in times like this. And it's, it's part of our human tendency. It began right there in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve that when we're faced with our own sin, we want to cover it up. We want to diminish it. We want to say, oh, it's not as bad as what you think it is. We want to make it less. The problem is when we do that, then it actually what we're doing is we're causing that sin to be frozen in time like a crater on the moon. It cannot be dealt with because we're not confessing it. We're not seeing it for what it is. Confession is to see sin for what it is, to see it the way God sees it and to call it what God calls it. That if I'm, if I have a problem with my temper, it's not to say, oh, well, I'm just tired. But it's to say, I have a problem with my temper. And I have to, to deal with it. I have to confess it. I have to call it what it is. And so that God can start working with it in my life. Oh, I, I want to just encourage you that it, when you start becoming aware in your own life of some effect that sin has had on you and some sin that you have been stepping into and doing, don't cover it up. Don't try and minimize it. Don't hide it away. Step up to it. Bring it to the light because then God can deal with it. Then God can come. And, and like erosion almost in, in, in one of those processes, it, it starts wearing away the effect of that on your life. And God can change it and, and, and redeem it and, and, and change the effect that it's had on your life. Uh, you know, when I come to the Lord and I say, Lord, I recognize that I have sinned. And I ask you to forgive my sin. I repent from my sin. It's immediate that he forgives my sin. And, and that's a scripture you'll see on your screen also in Acts 3 verse 19. Uh, it says, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, that your sins may be wiped out, that the, the effect of it in your life can be wiped out and so that times of refreshing can come. There, I think there's two parts to the process of repentance. There's the immediate part, and then there's the part that may take a period of time. The immediate part is when I repent of a sin, it's immediately that I'm forgiven. Immediately the blood of Christ washes me clean, and I, I'm no longer guilty of that sin. The thing that takes time, however often, is that the effects of that sin, the, the results of that sin, the, that what that sin has brought about and caused in my own life and others may take time to be taken care of. It's almost like a process of erosion, that it's eroded away over time if I keep consistently doing the right thing instead of continuing with the, the wrong thing. You see, sometimes we, we, we realize I've done something wrong, we repent, but we don't change our behavior. We don't, as the scripture says, turn to God. We, we feel bad about something. We feel remorseful that I've done something. And we even cry long tears because I've, I've done something bad and I've hurt somebody or I've hurt myself or, or I've offended God or whatever it is. And I feel so bad. And then I just, and I, and, and I get forgiveness and I feel better. And then I continue to do the same thing. And I know that that sometimes is our experience and that's the reality. 
But the problem is when we continue, we can be forgiven for the sin, but the, the effect of it in our lives still continue. I, I was reminded of this, that remember when Abraham had Ishmael, uh, our, you know, in disobedience to God, he didn't wait for, for the birth of Isaac. When he realized the mistake he made, when he repented, it didn't disappear. Isaac, Ishmael didn't disappear. The effects were still there. God worked through uh, the, 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 the life of Ishmael. And, and God's been faithful, but it didn't, if the, that effect didn't disappear. Repentance is a very powerful thing. I think of David. Remember, after he sinned with Bathsheba, he wrote Psalm 32. He wrote Psalm 51, which are great examples of somebody going through that process of repentance. In Psalm 32, he says, your hand was heavy upon me while I was hiding my sin from you. But when I confessed, you came to me. And that's the sometimes so difficult for us to do. But I want to encourage you, repent. Be a person that finds it easy to repent. That when something's happened in your life and you become aware of a sin, that you repent, that you bring it to God, that you open it up, that you deal with it uh, and not try and cover it up. Because if you cover it up, I want to say again, it'll become a crater like on the moon and it'll be there for the rest of your life and you will live in the, in the hole of that crater. But where if you bring it to God, he will begin to change the effect of it, and he will immediately forgive you and, and, and cleanse you from that sin. That's the first process that helps us deal with the craters caused by our own sin in our lives. The second one is the process that God gave us to deal with the, the craters caused by the sin of other people and the effect that that has had on our lives. And that's the process of forgiveness. Christianity is the only religion, the only belief system that makes forgiveness an absolute thing. What other religions or thought systems do, what the world around us does, is it makes forgiveness all about the other person deserving forgiveness. We so often when you watch television programs or movies, they, they'll say something like, I don't deserve your forgiveness. I don't know if I can ask you to forgive me. Will you ever be able to forgive me for what I've done? And it, and it all becomes about the offender and them being able to to earn the forgiveness of somebody. But that's not what the scripture says. Christianity is the only religion that says you've got to forgive every person, every sin, every time. There's no, there's no place where, where we don't have to forgive. There's no exclusion to forgiveness. Every person, every sin, every time we have to forgive. And that's what Jesus said when, the, when, the, when Peter came to him and asked him, in Matthew 18, verse 21 to 22, this well-known portion of Scripture. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times, Jesus answered, I tell you. Not seven times, but 77 times. And Jesus, what he was actually saying in the colloquial language is, there's no limit to the way you must forgive them and how often you must forgive them. You see, forgiveness in, in Christianity is not about the other person deserving forgiveness. Christianity forgiveness is about me having to give forgiveness in every situation. And a big part of that is so that it deals with the effects that another person's sin has had on my life. You see, if I don't forgive, then somebody else has done something against me. It's, it, 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 it's like a meteorite that hits my life, forms this crater. And if I don't forgive, that crater becomes my permanent 
story. It becomes part of who, what defines me. It, it, I become recognized by that crater, like we recognize the moon. But when I forgive, God starts dealing with that, the effect of that, and the crater starts disappearing. And, it, and my life becomes a story of grace not, and, and mercy and forgiveness, not a story of offense and bitterness and anger and hatred. I start making my decisions out of freedom because God has set me free from the offenses caused by other people. All my life can be a story of responding and reacting to everything that everybody else has done. And then I'm not free. Then I'm actually a slave to the effect that others have had on my life. You see, if, if somebody consistently does something against me and hurts me, like if in a marriage situation, and I know during the time of COVID-19, marriages, many marriages are taking stress. And my heart goes out to you and I, I pray for you and, and with great compassion. And I, and, but this is a time that you can also use to say, let us deal with some of the offenses. And if your marriage partner has consistently done things to hurt you, the, the first way that you deal with that is through forgiveness. Not because they deserve forgiveness or because forgiveness will primarily change them. It may not change them at all. If your partner has done things against you or any other person that has done things against you, you forgiving them may never change them, but it can change you. It can cause that that crater starts disappearing in your life. That like through erosion, it starts taking it away through the through the volcanics or the tectonic movements what god is doing is moving things in your life away from being enslaved to the effects of what people did or said or to you that's why we forgive we want to be people that's quick to forgive so that we don't carry permanent scars that we don't carry be identified by these issues and the things that has done against us now if somebody's done something against me I forgive them. If, if what they did against me is, has a legal consequence, they may have to face the legal consequence. If somebody, for instance, you know, stole money from me or, or from you, you forgive them. That means you, 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 you say to them that I, I am not the person that's going to hold you accountable for this. I'm not going to exact revenge on you. I'm, I'm not wishing you any, any ill towards you. I'm not going to... to, to break you down. I'm not going to speak evil of you. I'm not going to persecute you because of this. But if you have to face the consequences of the law, that, that needs to still happen. I think sometimes people get that confused. And, and um, you see, we must remember that even the cross, when God forgave our sins, he still, he still paid the law, and that's why Jesus had to die on the cross, is to fulfill the, the requirements of the law. That our sins are forgiven because the law and what it required was met. And this is the, the process that sometimes we have to go through. But our hearts must be our hearts of forgiveness. That even if somebody has stolen money from me, I forgive them. I release them from the personal guilt that they have towards me. I have no ill will towards them. I don't want to see them persecuted or suffered. But they broke the law. And, and if there's consequences that the law requires and the law steps in and the law requires of me to testify that what happened, I can do that with a heart of grace and of mercy and of love towards that person. And by, 
and in a place of forgiveness. It may be that in a situation the Lord tells me to not hold the personal debt against them and to release them for whatever debt they have to me. But if the law requires something, that is their responsibility still. But we forgive like God has forgiven us. That's what Jesus said. Father, and in the, in the Lord's Prayer, he's taught us to pray. Father, we forgive those who have sinned against us just as you have forgiven us. We have received forgiveness freely. We didn't deserve it. God forgives our sin every time, every sin for every person. And that's the same way we forgive. And when we forgive, it's amazing what God does, how he brings healing. He removes the bitterness. He removes the anger. It takes time sometimes. Forgiveness is a choice, and often your emotions take a while to follow. It takes a while for things to change. But what forgiveness does is it removes the power of the offense over your life and my life. And, and it gives God the space to start working. And do the third process that I want to talk about. And that's the process of restoration. That we are living people. If we repent and forgive, then restoration becomes possible. And restoration is an amazing thing that it's only God. I have been so amazed throughout my life and in my own life and in ministry and serving and discipling other people to see the amazing ability that God has to turn the darkest situation the most hopeless situation, the biggest crater into a place of, of life and hope and to bring good things forth out of what seems to be so evil. Again, remember we spoke about Joseph, how Joseph said, what, what you intended for evil, God turned around for good. That's God's restorative power. But God can't restore until we have repented and forgiven, dealt with our own sin, dealt with the offense of others. Then God comes and he does a work of restoration. And he restores. When that, when, that, when that meteorite or that asteroid hit my life and it caused this crater and it, and it looks so damaging and so permanent, then God comes and he starts working. And by his grace and his mercy, he starts changing it. In 1 Peter 5 verse 10, it says the following, And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. When, when we sin, we suffer. When others sin against us, we suffer. But that suffering doesn't have to be permanent. Something good can come out of that. If we give God the space, then He will make us strong. He will restore us. He will create a steadfastness in our life. Uh, I remember when I was at school, in, in, in high school, I played rugby. And uh, one particular day, I broke my collarbone in a rugby match. And um, it was painful, man. It was sore. And it took a long time to heal. But today, if I feel that collarbone, it's on my left-hand side. Yeah, it's thicker than the one on my right-hand side. And, and I've been told, uh, I remember the doctor that time told me that this will heal. And you'll probably never break it again in that same place. Because that bone is now stronger than it was before. And that's the, the same thing that God can do in our lives. Isn't it amazing? How something so damaging to your life, whether it's your own sin 
or somebody else's sin that has affected you, when God works with it, it can actually become one of your strongest places in your life. We've often seen it, how the things that we struggle with, when we allow God to heal us and work with us and restore us in that, it actually becomes something that we can help other people with. It becomes a part that we are become good at ministering and helping other people and discipling other people through the same problem because we have seen the restorative power of God in our lives. I want to tell you that that there's nothing in your life, there's no sin in your life that cannot be overcome. There's no sin that anybody else has done against you that cannot be overcome, that God cannot restore. Don't think it's a permanent thing. As somebody said, don't make permanent decisions on, based on temporary conditions. You may feel so lost. You may feel so caught in your sin, so trapped in a habit, so powerless to deal with it. I want to tell you, go to God. It may take time. It may be a process. It may require others to help you. But God will change that in your life and, give, and take the power of, of that away over your life. It may seem that somebody hurt you so deeply and you don't know how you'll ever recover from it. Keep forgiving and keep coming to the Lord and He will restore you. He will do a beautiful thing in your life and a good thing in your life. I want to say to you that as we're going through this this. COVID-19 and the struggles that we're facing with it. We've been speaking a lot over the last weeks. I've been talking to you about the opportunities that are in this time. And I want to say again, God is doing a good thing and can do a good thing in your life in this time. I know many people are getting caught up with and fighting with the government and, and, and with the rationale about what this is. And, and, you know, for the right people, I suppose that's the right thing to do. But I want to be focusing on what's the Lord doing more than any of that stuff. What is the Lord doing? What's the Lord doing in my life? What is the opportunity that this has given me to deal with the, the sin in my own life and to even where there's offenses that I've felt people have done against me? How do I deal with that? I've got space now to do it. Allow the Lord to work in your life. And, and I want to read for you Isaiah 43 verse 19. It says, Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. God is busy changing the landscape of your life. You may have had these big craters in your life, but if you allow God, he will move and he will work. Sometimes it feels like it's so slow, but you just give God time. Keep submitting to him. Keep obeying his word as difficult as it, as it may be. And you will see how rivers will form in those places that looked so dry and so hopeless and so dead. God is bringing forth new life. He's busy changing the landscape. And you may forever be able to point and say, look, that was a crater in my life, but you can barely recognize it now because see what God has done and how he's brought growth through that place. Another scripture and the last one I want to leave you with is Ecclesiastes 6, 6 verse 11. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Last week we spoke about time. We need to give God time and respond to the Kairos moments, the moments like these in our lives. We need to respond because if we do, God makes things that looked so bad, He makes them beautiful. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. You see, we... I've spoken about this before. We have this, our lives is a life for eternity. But because of our human frailty and our limitations, we don't see the beginning from the end. We don't know what God has done and what he is busy doing. 
God is working. He's hard at work. And he's making all things beautiful. If you allow the Spirit of God to work in you, if you appropriate the blood of Christ and the grace and the mercy of Christ to your life, there's nothing that he cannot turn into something beautiful. So can I encourage you again? Don't be like the moon that becomes characterized by the craters, by the impacts that it's taken. Be more like the earth. Be a living being that allows the Spirit of God to work with you, to erode away the problems, to move things in your life, to shift things, to, to bring forth from the deep places new life and a new shape, a new form to your life because of His grace and His goodness. No matter how difficult it is, God will strengthen you in the journey that He's with you. So be quick to repent. Forgive always. And submit to God's work of restoration. As we finish today, I want you to consider and think. Just in your own life. Are there some sins that you have been hiding away? That you've been covering up? I want to pray for you just now as we pray. That you may be able to bring those out and start confessing them to the Lord. And even with others, talk with them as you need to. Are there people that you need to forgive? Has there been, as you have had time, names that have kept popping up in your heart, people that keep you looking at? Are you speaking forgiveness out in those situations? And then thirdly, are you recognizing God doing a work of restoration in your life? And how can you cooperate with that work of restoration? As I end our time, I'm going to pray for you. But if you've joined us today on, on this uh, broadcast, can I ask that if you want somebody to pray for you, that you go to our online church platform, there's a prayer room digitally that you can be part of. If you're watching via the Hatfield South, then you go to hccs.online.church. If you're watching through Hatfield, you're going through hatfield.online.church. Or you can send an email to prayforme at hccsouth.co.za or prayforme at hatfield.co.za. And we've got a team standing by that want to pray for you. If you have never given your life to Jesus, come on, today is the day. Today, give your heart to Jesus. Tell the person that you're connecting with that you want to give your life to Jesus and they'll lead you through the prayer that will help you do that. But let us pray as we end our service. Thank you for being with us today. and I trust the Lord will strengthen you and encourage you. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for every person that's joined me over this broadcast. And I pray for everyone, Lord. You know the, the, the things they're struggling with. You know the, the fiery darts that are coming at them. You know their own temptations. You know the struggles with other people that they have. I pray today, Lord, that you would empower them, that you would equip them, enable them, and strengthen them, Lord, to be a person that is quick to repent and that always forgives so that they can experience the restoration that you are doing in their, in their lives. I just sense as I pray right now that there are people that you've begun a work of restoration, but it's, it's taking longer than what they hoped. And they're starting to give up on that. And I, I, I want to pray that you would go the distance with God. Allow his work of restoration in your life. Keep making the right decisions. As difficult as it may be, as hard as it may be, I pray for people, Lord. Keep making the right decisions. I pray for marriages that are struggling during this time. I pray, Lord, that we will not give up on our marriages, Lord. That we will, that we will come towards each other. That we would come with repentant hearts. That we will take ownership of our own sin. 
And that we will show the fruits in keeping with repentance. And Lord, that we will forgive each other. And where we need help, that we'll call others in to help us to be accountable to each other, Lord. That, that this will not be a time of abuse. That this will not be a time of, of hurt for people, Lord. I pray that the Spirit of God will come into every home, in every marriage, Lord. Every relationship between parents and children that may be difficult or any other relationships. We speak life. We speak restoration into those relationships today. And I thank you for that, Lord, for the power of your working in our lives in Jesus' name. We love you, Lord. It's such a privilege and honor to be your children in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you. Have a fantastic Sunday.